it. I'm turning back. I know your family's waiting. I know it's an important day. That's the spirit. You'll be celebrating life day before you know it. Stand by. Here's what we say goodbye to our unpleasant friends. Now playing Star Wars Holiday Special Review. Why do I always think that taking you home for life day is going to be easy? Starring Arnie. You're a hero and a faithful friend. Stuart. It's possible he's one of the rebels we're looking for. And Jacob. All of you are an important part of my life, pal. I'm glad I could be here. This show features detailed plot spoilers, and listener discretion is advised. Just sit down and enjoy it. Okay, here we go. And now, now Flames review of the Star Wars Holiday Special. Yeah. We can have a good time, can't we? Wonder Woman and the Incredible Hulk will not be shown tonight, so we can discuss the Star Wars Holiday Special, starring... Harrison Ford, yeah that Harrison Ford, Mark Hamill, Carrie Fisher, Peter Mayhew, Anthony Daniels, Kenny Baker, B. Arthur, (laughs) Art Carney, Harvey Corman, all your kids' favorite stars, Diane Carroll, Jefferson Starship, And then the actual stars, Mickey Morton as Mala, Paul Gale as Itchy, and Patty Maloney as Lumpy, directed (laughs) by Steve Binder. There's going to be so much laughing during this. Hello, friend. This is Arnie, co-host of Now Playing. (laughs) Stuart in L.A. Don't forget me in your dreams. This is Jacob. You know what? You're calling my bluff. I've complained a lot about Hulk TV movies and what have you. I might be okay with reviewing Wonder Woman tonight. I might. Yeah, actually... I'd much rather be doing Wonder Woman and Hulk made for TV movies <laughs> yeah. than this. I, I had to think about it. I don't know. I'm a child of the 70s. I, I remember this era. I never saw this. I never knew this existed until Arnie introduced it to me in my, what, mid to late 20s. But wow. Yeah, this is uh, a blast from the past. A a phaser to the face. Phasers are Star Trek. We have blasters. Oh, (laughs) I just want to know, what review did I recommend or not recommend that pissed off Santa to give me this (laughs) lump of coal? Batman and Robin Jacobs. Santa has a long memory. That was you! go come on this year santa never forgets <laughs> but yeah i've never seen this all the way through i learned about it like when i was in high school and they're like oh there's this thing called the holiday special but you can only like get it like at conventions on vhs copies or whatever back then and i've known it's existed on youtube i've tried watching it many times have never been able to get through it forced myself forced had to force myself for this podcast dark force or good force <laughs> <laughs> Which side does this fall under? I don't know. It's kind of both at the same time. My history with this is a little bit varied. I knew this existed. I'd heard legend of it. But of course, I was in my teens, never went to conventions, had no way of getting it. There was no YouTube. There was no internet. 
there were BBSs, but you, <laughs> I was going at 14.4 baud and it would have taken me like years to download a video. But I was content just ignoring it, saying, okay, that doesn't exist. But I was reading every Star Wars book. And sure enough, I picked up the Essential Guide to Characters and there's Boba Fett and first appearance, the Star Wars Holiday Special. And I was like... <laughs> Damn it, I can't just pretend this doesn't exist. <laughs> See, I've only seen that cartoon portion just because of that. I've never watched the rest of this. Okay, so he was not in the Star Wars cut hanging out with the Greedo or whatever in the background. This is the first time we saw Boba Fett? Yes, it is. That was a special edition add-on to have him at A New Hope. Oh, wow. And then, in the expanded universe, Mala and Lumpy return. <laughs> Oh, really? This was canonical. What? Yes, I know. Just let that absorb <laughs> that the expanded universe took the holiday special and went, yep, Chewie has a wife and son. He is the most neglectful father there is then. <laughs> yeah, especially since it wasn't until like 10 years into the EU that they even decided to mention this. Though that Lumpy's a bit of a brat. I, I don't blame Chewie. Yeah, well, they didn't call him Lumpy. I think it was Lumparump. <laughs> Or something like that in the expanded universe became a pilot for the rebellion. There you go. But finally, through the internet, I found people on, I think it was AOL. And one guy said he would sell me a copy of the holiday special. And this was like <laughs> 1997. And I paid $25 for a crappy VHS tape Ooh. of the holiday special. And I went home and I watched it immediately, start to finish. <laughs> And you're still a Star Wars fan. Mm. I think this became like It Follows. Because then every <laughs> single person who came to my house, I went, you have to watch this. And then I'd leave them. And this included Stuart. Stuart came. I'm like, oh, you got to see this shit. And <laughs> then I left the room and left him watching it. I came back for certain parts like B. Arthur's song and when just to see his face. I mean, I think the same way there's two girl, one cup reaction videos, there could be the holiday special reaction videos on YouTube. And that's what I was doing. I probably watched this or had this on in my house a dozen times in the first three months I owned it, just showing it to other people. That's funny that you would walk away from it because I four people started watching this in my home. One ended up finishing it. I mean, not even <laughs> a five-year-old who loves the e e Ewoks cartoon. She goes around singing that all the time, and that is bad. Like, she couldn't handle this. Like, I was left alone. Everyone's like, we'll see you later. <laughs> and then... Stuart, I think you watched this twice. I did do that one to you where I watched it and ran, and you were just, I believe, in hysterics. Mm, yeah, no, it's better for a non-fan than for a fan, I would think. But then on my bachelor party night... <laughs> did you make the stripper watch it? <laughs> we were gathered at my apartment prior to going out. Stuart had bartending degree and was making us all some libations. <laughs> And as I mentioned in previous shows, it was a Star Wars wedding. And Stuart said, well, put on the holiday special because there were a few people there that hadn't seen it. So we got liquored up and watched the holiday special before going out carousing. 
That may be the last time I saw it, though. No, I did record a commentary for it for Star Wars Action News as a one-day-only Christmas Day release. If you didn't download it that day, you never got it. About 2008 or 2009. And this is my first time returning. And I do want to give a call out to Jason because in the time since I watched this last and now, a new copy has come up and it's a gorgeous copy it is like a first generation that somebody took and then made high def 720p it's the best it's ever looked or will ever look and jason hooked me up with that so thank you i'm not saying his last name because technically it's piracy but what you gonna do i feel like this is mst3k keep spreading the tapes yeah it's on youtube that's how i watched it why can't people buy a copy I mean, God knows that Star Wars has no shame, right? I mean, they've made lots of embarrassing products. Was this included in Disney's purchase? Did they get the rights to this? I believe they did. I'm going to shock you both. There has been an official release of part of this. Okay, part. The cartoon. The cartoon. (laughs) I'm like, I can tell you which part. It was an Easter egg on the Blu-ray set that came out. Yeah, but is it true or I don't know if this... Is hearsay, but supposedly George Lucas has said he's wanted to hunt down every copy of this and have it destroyed. He has said that in several interviews. He's, I mean, I think other people think as you did. And George Lucas in interviews were asked, did you really want to smash these with a hammer? He's like, yes, I tried to buy every copy. I couldn't stop it. I wish I could smash them all. There's, of course, a story behind the story here. This was obviously not exactly where Lucas saw his saga going, but at the end of 1977, Star Wars had a resurgence in ticket sales thanks to Richard Pryor and Donnie and Marie. You can YouTube, there were Star Wars specials of this. The Stormtroopers Dancing with Donnie and Marie is almost as priceless as anything in the holiday special. Wow. (laughs) What did Richard Pryor do? (laughs) Besides curse. <laughs> yeah, I, I could just imagine. Freebase. <laughs> I think it wasn't in the 70s he set himself on fire. Yes. Yeah, okay, maybe it's because he saw the holiday special. But Lucasfilm was under pressure from licensees because they had one movie, they wanted more money, and CBS went and suggested, hey, let's do a variety show. And somehow Lucas was like, okay, that'll help keep Star Wars in people's minds until Empire comes back. So they got a couple of writers, Leonard Rips and Pat Proft, who I'm not familiar with either of them. Stuart, do you know them? Oh, yes, I do. Uh, there's five writers credited on this, but those two particularly, Pat Proft would go on to to write for the Police Academy series. <laughs> <laughs> well, he got better, I can say that. And uh, Leonard Rips uh, was a contributor to Full House. Okay, I can see this. (laughs) You can. Yeah. Well, those two met with Lucas. Lucas actually had involvement. And in a one day long meeting, the three of them hashed out the story, which focused on some discarded plot ideas for Star Wars A New Hope, where the film... Could you imagine Star Wars if instead of starting with that scroll, it started like this? It was all going to be told... To a Wookiee child by its parents. Mm. So it was basically the Princess Bride with Luke and Leia. They did that for one of the Planet of the Apes movies, too. The one with John Houston, yeah. 
Okay, let me tell you a tale. Campfire stuff. Yeah, so that was how Star Wars was going to be, and Lucas had a lot of ideas in his notes. I mean, we talked about this with the other movies. He went into so much detail on so many things, the Jedi Bendu Knights and all of this, and he even had Ralph McQuarrie, the concept artist who did all of the Star Wars movie concepts. He designed Vader and Jawas and everything. He had some concept art for Wookiee Holmes, and they lived in the top of giant tall trees on the planet Kashyyyk, or as it's pronounced here, Kazook. Yeah, I was wondering, was this supposed to be Kashyyyk or Kashyyyk, but they definitely say Kazook, so it's supposed to be the Wookiee planet, though. Yes, it's spelled the same, but they pronounce it Kazook. <laughs> so they did an outline, then they brought in a writer I know very well, Bruce Valanche. <laughs> yes. Oh. Center Square, yeah. Bruce Valanche. <laughs> yeah. That's pretty much where I know him from. He writes for a lot for the Oscars. I'm convinced that Carrie Fisher started getting a gig writing for the Oscars because of this holiday special. Well, he didn't stick around too long. He had a quote that I found hysterical. He had said, quote, You've chosen to build a story around these characters who don't speak. The only sound they make is like a fat person having an orgasm. I think we get a Wookiee orgasm in this special. <laughs> we do. And that is the only thing I really remembered about this. <laughs> well, Valanche is the one who came up with the variety aspects and bringing in Art Carney's character so that the audience had something other than grunts and roars. Wow. Look, I, I'm going to reveal a little secret here. I've talked about my dad and his involvement with Lord of the Rings. If, if you look into my history, my family, going back a generation or two, had their own TV holiday specials, their own variety shows during the 60s and 70s. Like, I know how this stuff is supposed to work. You know, you have people who can talk sitting around the campfire talking about, you know, whatever, Christmas stories, and then you break out into a song. The fact that we're going to hear animals roaring and that they had to bring in, like, I, I don't know who Art Carney is. I've heard the name. Like, I, these are all names I've heard. This is not how you do a holiday special. <laughs> it's a life day. I, you know, I yeah. Everyone had to be over, what, 80 years old. It's an incredibly old uh, yes. cast. I, I, I guess maybe that was the thinking. Kids will watch the Wookiees and adults will hang around for Art Carney. Art Carney. <laughs> and be Arthur. <laughs> She was on Maud at the time. It should be said she was on a big hit TV show. And Art Carney had been up for Oscars a couple of years before. Jefferson Starship, though. They weren't even the airplane anymore. Like, Starship, isn't that when they went down? Yeah, is this where it happened? Uh, no, they had multiple evolutions. This was... We'll talk about Jefferson Starship when we get there. But the most shocking thing to me, they spent over a million dollars on this. Jeez. Oh, wow. It's not shocking, but I know it went up someone's nose. Probably everyone's nose. <laughs> the first director quit, brought in another director. Which one was that? His name was David Acomba, and he was a USC schoolmate of Lucas's. Oh, uh, okay. He's the one who arranged for Nelvana to create the cartoon bit, but after filming a couple of the segments, he was like, I'm out. And that's when Bender came in. 
Yeah, Steve Bender, I looked him up, and he had been, he had done a lot. He did the big Elvis reunion, the thing that kind of got him back on track. He had done that TV special, Liza Minnelli, Barry Manilow. He even did, and this really is, I think, worse than what we were discussing tonight, the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Do you remember oh this? Oh, my God. I used to <laughs> yes. watch a couple of With Captain of Lou. Yeah, Captain Lou was Mario on this really shoddy <laughs> late 80s syndicated kids show. It was it was garbage. Well, Lucas was embarrassed by this. He was very busy, as we discussed back when we did the original trilogy reviews, setting up his own empire, putting all his money into empire, becoming a producer. That's why he wasn't as involved in the making of Empire Strikes Back. And after his one day meeting, he poked his head in on a couple production meetings, but really had no idea what was going on with this. Just that he helped, I think, strong arm the cast back. Okay. Yeah, that was a big question is is how. They're, I can't believe that back then they had the kind of contracts that would force them to be in this against their will. They had to have agreed to do this. Yeah, and being told, like Lucas was, this will help keep interest in the franchise. Keep in mind, they had one hit, a huge hit, top-grossing movie of all time, but... They weren't established actors, and in fact, only Harrison Ford would really go on to do much. Uh, well, Carrie Fisher, she worked, but she was never a star again. Yeah, a writer more than an actress. Yeah. So I think that telling them, hey, this is going to help the next movie, and the next movie is going to help solidify your careers is probably pretty enticing, but there's not a whole lot of information on that. I'm combining a little bit of internet rumor with a little bit of speculation here, but yeah, they got all of them back. Not all of them. I just want to point out, king of the eye roll himself, Alec Guinness, did not (laughs) come back for this. Well, he was dead. This takes place after A New Hope. Oh, they could have had him come. Greedo comes back. Walrus Man comes <laughs> Believe back. Believe me, if Alec Guinness said he wanted to be here, they would have had him show up. Ironically, he is in here in archival footage at the end. It's like they dragged his ghost in through scenes from Star Wars. And, and you said Kenny Baker in your credits, but these credits say R2 as R2. Oh, there was a big thing going on around this time. Anthony Daniels is very outspoken about this. Lucas or Lucasfilm didn't want anyone to know, and this is very early on, there was anyone inside those outfits. And even though they were in the credits, like in front of Man's Chinese Theater, where they have all the hand imprints and everything, they did C-3PO and R2-D2, not Kenny Baker and Anthony Daniels. They actually lifted R2 and set him in the cement. I've seen it a million times in Was the actor inside? I believe so, because again, no remote (laughs) controls. That's got to hurt. So Anthony Daniels has the better manager here because he gets his name said. Kenny Baker doesn't. Yeah, but they're really trying to sell us that these things are all real. And you know what? R2 doesn't move here. Maybe Kenny Baker wasn't in it. I saw him listed on Wikipedia and such, but I think he just beeps. Maybe it's all Ben Burt. (laughs) But they had big hopes for this. By the time they were in pre-production and George Lucas had given them his Wookiee Bible, they actually thought this could be a TV pilot they're doing here of a series of Mala, Itchy, and Lumpy Wookiee stories. People are just going to listen to growling every week? No, you know what? I want to point out, Sid and Marty Croft, that whole era of Land of the Lost, Sigmund and the Sea Monster, the Bugaloos, they could have done it. When I saw this family, I'm like, yeah, this feels like shows I watched. 
Yeah, they really want to do that, and that's why they spent so much on this. They were actually building reusable sets in case this was picked up as a series. Not only wasn't it picked up as a series, it was aired once. Most things get two airings. This one got one. Why? The backlash was immediate. There was never a period where people were like, hey, that was good. And then over time, we realized, wow, that was really bad. Kind of like disco. You know? Or Phantom Menace. <laughs> Two of us recommended it. <laughs> Somehow. Two of us recommended all the prequels, despite how I get all the hate. But this thing didn't even come in number one in the ratings. It was second behind the love boat. Oh, ouch. Okay, well, that explains it. Because I'm like, a lot of this is understandable if you ever lived in the 70s or just saw the program they had there. Yeah, Donnie and Marie, Sonny and Cher, Smothers Brothers, all the writers for that kind of stuff, they worked on this show. It, It does just kind of feel like what was popular in a Star Wars version. But you're saying that the Star Wars fans were mad to see their characters get this treatment. On paper, I definitely feel like it looks like a hit. Well, yeah, you put Star Wars in front of anything, it looks it's going to look like a hit. No, no. I mean, I think that just a variety show with Star Wars characters should have gotten two airings. It surprised me to hear that this was buried. But, okay. So it, it, it was beaten by the love boat and nobody asked for an encore. And keep in mind, the entire intent was Lucas trying to build awareness and excitement for The Empire Strikes Back. When everyone saw what this was, I think it could have had the reverse effect the more it was seen. Oh, uh, yeah, absolutely. Yes. Uh, Good point. Yes. If this was your teaser for another movie coming, oh my. Yeah. Thank goodness VCRs weren't a big thing yet in 78. So this could be taped and people could be reminded of it in 1980 when Empire came out. I thought I saw this, but now what I realize is I saw when they finally first aired Star Wars on TV and they had people like Mark Hamill in a cantina bar, like in between on the commercial breaks and all of that. But no, I never saw this. I never knew about this. I'm going to put this out there. If anyone has a copy of what you just talked about, because I had this HBO recording of Star Wars and it had Mark Hamill in the cantina discussing the making of and a lot of behind the scenes footage and mark hamill was like telling the history of space films and showed in its entirety a trip to the moon i think i saw this yeah yeah i I watched that a hundred times as a kid i'd watch it every time i watched star wars if anyone out there has a tape of that i would die for it i mean just i would love to see that again but yeah i never saw the holiday special till my mid-20s and once i've seen it i can't unsee it So how many times have you watched this? Three? Well, I watched it at least a dozen initially, and then like four or five more after, so I guess I'm approaching 20. (laughs) Okay, so still far more than you have of Clone Wars uh, cartoon movie. Oh, yeah, yeah. But keep in mind, I've watched this three times, sitting down, paying attention to it start to end. Once when I first got the tape and watched it alone, once when Marjorie and I did our commentary for Star Wars Action News, and once now. The rest has been me inflicting it upon others. Yeah. And I was within earshot. Well, then I guess that means you get to do the plot. Well, did you see the original Star Wars film and wanted to explore more of that universe? Specifically, were you curious about Chewbacca and the Wookiee species? What is the homeworld like for these hirsute hairy people? Like, does Chewbacca have a wife? A kid? A porn-addicted father? Do they celebrate Christmas? 
Well, tune into CBS on November 17th, 1978, and you can find the answers to these questions with the Star Wars Holiday Special. Reuniting most of the cast from A New Hope, this apocryphal story takes place between Star Wars and Empire Strikes Back. Han Solo and Chewbacca have been helping the Rebellion fight the Empire, but now they're having trouble getting back to Chewbacca's homeworld of Kazook for Life Day, a Wookiee celebration of, well, life. Harmony. Peace. <laughs> and Carrie Fisher singing. But while we open with a scene of, yes, Harrison Ford and Peter Mayhew as Han and Chewbacca, the special really focuses on Chewbacca's family who are waiting for his return. There's Chewbacca's wife, Mala, played by Mickey Morton, his son, Lumpy, played by Patty Maloney, and his father, Itchy, played by Paul Gale. And I swear the Simpsons ripped off these names. We see the family worried and calling out to Luke Skywalker and Princess Leia. Yes, Mark Hamill and Carrie Fisher came back too, along with Anthony Daniels as C-3PO. And with no word, Mala goes about cooking the Life Day Banthaloin while Lumpy spends his time watching a circus simulation. I'm going to go out right now and say this will be the most mundane plot summary in the history of now playing. <laughs> oh my god. I kept a laugh meter and I laughed five times during that circus. <laughs> I think that's what everyone left when I was watching it. It's amazing. It is the I don't know if it's the funniest part, but I could not stop laughing. Still worried, Malo reaches out to local human trader Sondan, played by Art Carney. And Sondan comes over with some Life Day gifts for the Wookiee family, including some softcore porn for Itchy. <laughs> I'm not kidding! No, you're not. It's mind-blowing. And other things are probably blown during it. I know what you're feeling. <laughs> <laughs> but then... The Imperials raid the home looking for suspected rebel activity, and despite Sondin's attempt to repulse the officers with a Jefferson Starship hologram, <laughs> they keep searching and even rip the head off Lumpy's stuffed bantha. So Lumpy goes to watch TV, where he's apparently <laughs> watching a propaganda cartoon about the rebels, Luke Han, Chewbacca, R2, and 3PO, where they first meet Boba Fett. But, shocker, Fett was pretending to be their friend, but in fact working for Darth Vader. The show concluded, the family and Imperials gather around a view screen to see the events occurring at a cantina on Tatooine, owned by Akmina, played by Golden Girl B. Arthur. Akmina has to shut down her bar due to Imperials declaring martial law, but her patrons are less than enthusiastic about giving up their drinking spot. When that's over... Finally, Lumpy uses his toy communicator to trick the Imperials into thinking they're called back to base. They leave one stormtrooper behind, and when he discovers Lumpy's deception, he tries to go after the young Wook, only to be stopped by Han and Chewbacca. The two rebels landed far to the north and had to walk to Chewie's home, and the two throw the stormtrooper over the high ledge of Chewbacca's treetop house. Together at last, the family celebrates Life Day, which includes a very uncomfortable monologue from Harrison Ford telling the other Wookiees how much he loves them and they're his family. Then they all dress in red robes and walk into space? I'm not quite sure. <laughs> but they end up teleported to the Tree of Life. But that party is quickly ruined when Princess Leia shows up uninvited and starts singing a song to the Star Wars theme. Off-key. And we finally end with Chewbacca's family sitting down to eat the bantholoin as credits roll. 
<laughs> I couldn't make that up if I tried. I'll say when I had imaginings what this holiday special could be, I never expected this. I mean, I'd read descriptions. I'd read vague high-level summaries in the 90s. I never expected this. I never expected a movie in which other than Harrison Ford and Chewbacca there to kick things off using some recycled footage of space battles from Star Wars. Yeah, but did Lucas couldn't let him borrow a, a set of the Falcon cockpit? Like, this is embarrassing looking. It's very possible they didn't have the set. When Star Wars finished, they destroyed all of those sets. They had no intent of sequels. They thought the movie might be a horrible flop. And that's why the cockpit in The Empire Strikes Back is so different than the cockpit of the Falcon in Star Wars and why in Empire the Falcon has five pieces of landing gear whereas in Star Wars it had three so it is possible that they had absolutely nothing and just had to string up some Christmas lights plus the first one was shot in London right and I'm sure this was knocked out in Fox Studios TV with whatever they had lying around yeah stage two of Burbank Studios where they wanted to make the TV show Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, you're looking at, you know, cobbled together. No one was going to know the difference, right? I mean, that's the attitude. Let's just get it up, get it out there, put it out. Hey, I'll say I didn't know the difference until Jacob pointed it out. It looked good enough for the few brief shots we have in it. But then again, this was only my first time seeing it well. Usually I'd been watching this with VHS rolls and everything was a little wavy. Yeah, the link you gave me was pristine. Yeah, that's the new WHIO Ohio CBS affiliate transfer that escaped. <laughs> Someone raided the studio, I guess. It first surfaced in 2013, so we're watching the new remastered holiday special. What surprised me, I mean, I could have predicted this. The late 70s, this is what entertainment was. It was. It just was. Donnie, Marie, and Sonny and Cher, and all those people, it was this cheesy. I mean, that is what television looked like. It's why we had such dark movies and why people went to them. is because you wanted to see a different thing than what was being put out there on the three channels of your television set. You don't want to see those matte paintings of Wookiee houses? Yeah, yeah, to me, that's straight up Sid and Marty Croft. That's Land of the Lost. I it mean, is, yes. I mean, that could have been Chuka or whatever the hell his name was. Chaka, what was his name? Chaka. Yes, Chaka. Yeah, exactly. It felt like that literally could have been a Chaka suit. But what did surprise me was, you say holiday special, and my ears here's Christmas. I thought that they were going to be incorporating Santa Claus or, or something, but what is Life Day? Yeah, this is actually... We had some listeners question, why are we covering this last? Because, first of all, this was produced between Star Wars and Empire, and usually we are really religious about going in order of production. Except when it's Catwoman. Catwoman. <laughs> except when it's completely out of continuity garbage, yes. Like this. <laughs> yes. yes. <laughs> and then the other thing is we actually had a show come out on November 17th, which is when Life Day is celebrated because that's the day this aired. This is not Christmas. People put on red Snuggies and really celebrate this. <laughs> yes, that's what people thought we'd do. Now, we're releasing this around Christmas time because, well, we wanted to get through the good Star Wars stuff and then end on a laugh, right? <laughs> but, yeah, Life Day is November 17th. If you want Star Wars Christmas in the 80s, we did get What Do You Get a Wookiee for Christmas When He Already Owns a Comb in the R2 and 3PO hosted Star Wars Christmas album. Yeah, I have that on rotation right now. 
Okay, so they they weren't, I mean, obviously sometimes you don't want to tie to a particular religion anyway, but they didn't want to get a holiday audience. They were going for, for some made-up Life Day thing. Well, understand, Lucas did have input here, and he viewed this as canonical, the start of possibly wow. a TV series. Wow. So it can't be Christmas. It can't be Hanukkah. It gotta be something unique to Star Wars. So... Life Day. And I'm fine with that. You know, we'll have a Star Wars holiday. Life Day is really generic sounding. I don't know how much thought Lucas put into that. But fine, Life Day. But to have this opening segment where we only know it's Life Day because, like, Han's translating for Chewie. And then we're going to get, like, ten minutes of Wookiee barking with this family. This is really bold. I got to say, I can't believe that. (laughs) Are you saying that as a good thing? I mean, I want to put it out there. Mine was never bigger than in the 70s. We did have Marcel Marceau. He did have his own movie, in fact. It's called Shanks. It's incredibly bad. But people did watch mime. And so maybe, just maybe, there was that mime audience that could go for the 12 minutes of no dialogue grunting. Is it really 12 minutes? It really is. Wow. Now, this was fun because the family sat around just making up dialogue for the Wookiees. So that was fun, but... Yeah, this is really bold to me that they all had a wordless film. When I was watching this initially, I did find myself wondering, would there be any dialogue? And they did get Ben Burt back to do all of the Wookiee sounds, and he did a pretty decent job. I mean, you get what's going on, but my God, is it dull when you're seeing things like Lumpy begging for a cookie. Or or Lumpy walking in the banister. I'm like, is he going to commit suicide because his mom made him take out the trash? Like, what is going on? (laughs) I could tell eventually that he was just having fun. But yeah, I thought there was something bad there, too. (laughs) I I will. I do want to give one compliment. These Wookiee outfits. I don't know how great the outfits are, but I noticed like the mouse and the movements like besides Itchy, the grandfather who I I don't know what's going on with his mouth. He's <laughs> lost all his teeth or something, but yeah, that is a horrible overbite. Yeah, that, that quite an underbite. You know what he looks like actually? I just got this. He's reminding me now of that hybrid alien from Alien 4. <laughs> I thought he kind of looked like that giant thing from one of the Ewok movies, but Wookie size. But I, I, I do want to say, like, Mala's mouth, like, way better than those Ewok films, like, where nothing moved. Like, th- these mouths are moving when they roar. I, I'll give it that. <laughs> you laugh, Stuart, but that's the only compliment I think I have for this. <laughs> no, film. That's, that's what's making me laugh is you're, like, citing the, the lip movements of the puppets. That's, oof, it's going to be a long show. <laughs> well, in addition to getting Ben Burt back, they got Stan Winston back to do all of these masks, and these are far more articulated than the Chewbacca mask in A New Hope. Yeah, I thought so. He was really adding a whole lot more ability here, and think about how necessary that is, because the Ewoks rarely had to carry anything. You either had Burl Ives narrating, or you had that girl running around talking to them. Here, yeah, 12 minutes where we have to get everything off body language and facial expression. And it's still pretty uncomfortable when you just see Mala longingly gazing at a picture of Chewbacca. But you at least know what's going on. And I'll say this, I don't know if this is good, but you can't look away. I mean, it's car wreck bad. Well, it's disappointingly 
domestic. I got to say, I hadn't thought a lot about Chewbacca. He's never been one of my favorite characters, but I just never thought of his life being so mundane that after a day of blowing up Death Stars and flying around galaxies, he's going to come home and have to take out the trash and listen to his dad complain. And I mean, yeesh. (laughs) Well, I guess this meant... We would never get a Chewy love story, I guess. That's the downside. Oh, we get it. I'm going to point it out. It's in this. And uh, yeah, but it ain't with Mala. <laughs> oh, I'm interested <laughs> in seeing this. I watch this, you know, coming on 20 times. I don't see any other love story. But. Oh, I, I see someone interested in him. Let me tell you, because we have all these cutaways. Yeah, that amazing, endless circus hologram <laughs> television event. <laughs> That's not anyone, right? That is like not Cirque du Soleil or anything. That's just whoever they had. I don't know who that is. That is such a weird opening act to have for this special. You think you go big to keep people's attention? No. They go with this dude who's playing like a trumpet that's hooked up to his butt or something. Like, I don't know what's going on with this circus. Yes. Let me put it this way. I feel like when I watch this circus that I need to get the kids out of the room before it gets any further. Yeah, no, that's when the kids left the room. They they were scared. Like, there's just something kind of seedy, a little perverted. I'm like, this is going to be something I don't want my children to watch. Yeah, the circus I didn't see as too bad. What's weird is I never really got much of a feeling of awe with that circus because they do superimpose Lumpy behind it. So we're seeing it all in such wide angles. It's the least exciting circus performance ever. I mean, the thing, sister, I mean, I laughed four times during this thing. I was just like, because it just keeps going on. You're just like, yes, wow, they have so nothing. Long. They have nothing in this bag to let this go on. You're right. This is your opening number. You go big for this. I mean, yeah, you get Elvis. You get the Beatles or something. But yeah, to go with this, whoo, it's, it's rough. It's real rough. I honestly fast forwarded through this a lot. Even during my bachelor party, I'm like, let's fast forward through this. There's no reason to see this. And in fact, I think I made it pretty much a habit to fast forward through all the musical numbers as well. I mean, except for Carrie Fisher. So it's about 15 minutes long in your mind then. Yeah. (laughs) Okay, great. Yeah, I I didn't remember it being 90 minutes. I can honestly say that. I didn't know it was a two-hour special when it aired with commercials. But my God, yeah, you feel every second of it when you have to pay attention. But finally we get to Luke, you know, and I've never been so grateful to hear English. It's just like, it's like when you've been abroad for a while and then like you come back and you're like, oh my God, yes, talk to me. Yeah, but are there time machines in the Star Wars universe? Because I want to know how Mark Hamill got to circa 2001 to bleach his hair, get the eyeliner, and go all emo on us. Oh, man. I thought he looked like Peter Pan when played by Sandy Duncan. I mean, that hair, those eyes. I believed that boy could fly. (laughs) Oh, that's a Liza Minnelli eyeliner. Tragic mistake. I mean, whatever happened to him on the motorcycle is not nearly as bad as what they did to his eyes. Like, even in the opening credits and he's turning and smiling, I'm like, hello, Liza. I mean, this is... This is a, a tragic makeup mistake that they've done here. But yeah, I, I didn't know they were going to do it this way. What surprised me is with a variety show, they didn't have to be in character. It could have just been Mark Hamill to come out and be like, hey, everybody, and blah, 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 and maybe do a song and a tap dance, show a different side of himself, you know, talk about Convoy. I guess nobody wanted to hear about it. But, <laughs> you know, but the fact that he's playing Luke 
you're right. Suddenly this is actually tied to the universe. And that's that is a surprise. No, no, no. The surprise, Stuart, is that they have nothing for Luke Skywalker, the man who blew up the Death Star, everyone's favorite hero. They got mm. nothing more for him to do than I don't know what he's doing. Fixing something? Keep in mind, I'm, none of these people really wanted to be here. None of these people are there for very long. This thing was shot for over a month. These guys showed up for a day or two. So, yeah, they just have to have them inserted wherever and usually on a screen so that they could not have to interact with anybody else. Surprisingly, Harrison Ford, the grumpiest of all the Star Wars actors, <laughs> is the one who's in it most. But, yeah, she, he is there. Whatever. <laughs> you know, I again, I, I think they could have just had it be Mark Hamill and this wouldn't be nearly as weird as suddenly thinking that, oh, we're supposed to think this is the same thing as Star Wars. That's no, that's a light speed jump we cannot make. I got to say this. One of my favorite Luke Skywalker appearances outside of the movies, 1980, Mark Hamill hosts the Muppet show. Yeah, that yeah, exactly. A great episode and at one point Mark leaves the stage and Luke Skywalker and C3PO and R2D2 show up and play in character a bit and that works so much better than this. So much better. But to get to the people that are going to carry the plot, they're going to give it to new quote-unquote stars. They're going to give it to Art Carney and Harvey Korman and all of that. That yes, all of these cameos are just to authenticate, I suppose, that this is really Star Wars, when in fact it's being propped up by B. Arthur. I'm sorry, Beatrice Arthur. <laughs> yes. Now, the worst part for me is the jokes fall flat. And there's jokes in this? I do not get why Harvey Corman has a triple role in this. I mean, Cheech in From Dust Till Dawn makes more sense than Harvey Corman <laughs> three times here. Carol Burnett, it was a big show. He's always doing skits. He was He's so funny in that, and yet... Stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir. Stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir. And was that in blackface, or is it just really <laughs> bad video? Because it looked blackface. I think it's the same makeup artist that did Mark Hamill. Yeah, and, and he's doing Julia Child. Been everyone have known at that time that this was the lady that's always being kind of amusing. You know, Julia Child had a, an oversized personality when she cooked. You know, she made mistakes and she laughed at herself. And I guess this is this is a I, I don't like to use the word parody because it's not. You're right, Arnie. There's no jokes here. It's but it's an emulation of Julia Child with three arms. No forearms. A fourth arm comes out. Like I feel like you have to just like everything in this. You got to wait a really long time for something that I guess is a joke. Is that this is really a four armed alien and how many people have four arms and could actually I guess do this recipe? Like Mala can't even keep up with this bantaloin. That she's cooking. I have to believe that this would be like what the show is, is that it would just be a sitcom, a suburban domestic family always waiting around for Chewbacca to come home and doing this kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, I'll give Harvey Corman this. He commits to the role. His performance is something to behold when he's winking and waggling that knife. It is truly something. <laughs> well, what would you give Art Carney? A, a condolence prize and a drink? <laughs> that dildo or whatever he's trying to sell to that imperial guard <laughs> yeah it does everything trim your mustache what's his name son dan it is son dawn or d-a-u-n but he pronounces it like he has a single name son dan 
Yeah, well, he's got funny articulation anyway. He's like, where's Han and Chewie? I mean, like... <laughs> well, Lando called him Han, too, so... Maybe he got it from Art Carney. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Art Carney doesn't know a thing about Star Wars. I can tell you, his grandkids told him it was a really cool movie, and he was like, all right, I'll do it. But he doesn't know shit about Star Wars, and it's clear here. Ironically, Sondan <laughs> is based on Lucas's early concept for Lando that Lando would be a traitor on Kazook. He was going to run a pod shop or whatever yeah. this thing is. Yeah, a gift <laughs> shop. Or I, I view it like a 7-Eleven. Yeah, and how many times do they go, do we get Billy D. Williams or Art Carney? Well, they hadn't cast <laughs> Billy D. at this point. Why weren't there any humans on Kashyyyk? I, I want to know about the continuity when we got to Revenge of the Sith. Just like in the U.S., the people running the 7-Elevens aren't from there. I, I thought it was a questionable choice that he left his hearing aid in. I didn't know whether to applaud him or <laughs> or to to really chastise, again, whoever's doing hair and makeup to really pay attention to some details here. <laughs> that means he was paying more attention to the dialogue going on around him than anyone else. And it had to be. He had to leave it in because these grunts aren't happening. He has to act alone with all these people. So they're like, all right, Art, start talking here. And this is where we kind of get a... Well, I guess we got the plot, you know, Chewie's trying to get home, but we see that there's Imperials on Kazook, and Sedan is what? He's trying to cover up for the the Chewie family. Like, they, you can't say Chewbacca. But, yeah, he speaks in very clever code about the shag carpet that is hand solo job is coming home soon. I mean, who could have figured out what he was talking about, wink, wink? Yeah, there's going to be a hand solo job going on soon. He visits the family. <laughs> Okay, so yeah, let's get to this, because this is my favorite part of the whole thing. I could not believe this. I remember so clearly when I'm first watching this, and Itchy puts on his VR helmet because Sondan brought him this holovid, and it appears to be Diane Carroll naked. I mean, you're only seeing her from, like, mid-chest up, so there's no nipples or anything, but there's not a ounce of clothing about on those shoulders. There's like sparkles, right? Like she's wearing stardust or something. Like, yeah, stripper glitter is what she has on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's called a, what, wow. I, I can show you some wow. Yeah, and she's like, oh, yes, I can feel my creation. <laughs> We're getting excited, aren't we? Now we can have a good time. I am your fantasy. I am your experience. So experience me. I am your pleasure. <laughs> I knew I should have gotten my kids out of the room before after that circus. I mean, I knew it was coming. I have to pay women to talk like that. Like, and Itchy's like, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yeah. Meanwhile, we're cutting to a man that, that we're told it's a proton pack, but it's really just basically like one of those old style hair dryers where you put your whole head <laughs> like they have at salons or whatever, like. You know, just yeah, licking his lips, and I don't want to be there. I do not want to see an old man masturbate to <laughs> Diane Carroll. I can, I can honestly say that nobody wants to watch. This is no one's fantasy except his. He's doing it in front of everyone. I was so disappointed when they zoom out and she has a dress on and she starts singing. The fun ends there, but I guess that was the afterglow for Itchy. <laughs> Yeah, you know, she wants to live in one moment in time. I'm like, not this moment, Diane. Maybe like when you won an Emmy or something like that for for Julia. But not, this is not your moment to cling to. 
That is so inappropriate. That's like, who is this made for? Who is? Yeah, the seventies. You got to remember, the seventies did this all the time. Everyone's on coke. <laughs> it all makes sense to them. They would try to juggle that adult and kid humor at the same time, and so they would have jokes there that were for mom and dad, and then for the wee ones as well. I just think that young kids would probably be bored, get up, you know, maybe they'd go get a cookie, and dad would, you know, go itchy. <laughs> Yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> go to the bathroom, not come out for 10 more minutes. Yeah, he go scratch his own itch. <laughs> God, that's, I think that is the biggest failing of the holiday special is to not have an audience in mind and go for it. I can say that at least the Ewok cartoons, at least the Clone Wars movie, it picked its audience and went with it. And I may not like where it went with it, but it, was at least coherent for a specific audience. Although those two Ewok movies changed drastically in between. Yeah, I, I, they weren't coherent. I, I think your your memory is foggy on this, but I'm going to say this is more entertaining. If I had to watch one over again, I would rather watch this than either Ewok movie. Yeah, I mean, this was your third watching. <laughs> I mean, again, it, it reminds me of those silly things, the Brady Bunch Variety Hour, just all that garbage, you know, that, that was huge, that got huge ratings. We all watched Yeah, it. but I never saw the scene where Peter Brady walked into the porno shop. <laughs> yeah, again, Bruce Valanche, you know, uh, <laughs> he contributed to the Can't Stop the Music screenplay. I just, I feel like he pushes boundaries about... How appropriate you can be with some risque humor. And yes, I don't know what a kid would think other than this is a weird lady. It's a horrible song, too. I mean, I don't know too much Diane Carroll, and this does not make me want to hear more. No, she's a TV star more than anything. I mean, maybe she's a singer, but I think of her as being... She's the first black actress on television. They had her own series, and then they did this to her. So, you know, it's almost <laughs> like a, a racial crime or something, but... Jeez. <laughs> yeah, she has a ton of records, but yeah, this is not going to make me tune in. I think I best know her as... When she was, like, in her later years, she was on a different world. That's where I know Diane Carroll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, she hung around. She's done a lot of TV and pops in. I think she was in The Wiz, you know, but uh, Diane Carroll, whatever. She has the hardest load to carry. I mean, I honestly think <laughs> no one has what a, a cheese load. <laughs> a, a more difficult task than to be the sex fantasy of an old graying Wookiee. That is not a good thing. We finally get through this hologram, though. Just this awful, awful hologram to get an awful, awful cameo from Princess Leia. <laughs> this is what I'm talking about, guys. I mean, she throws some major-ass shade here at Mala. She's like, I don't want to talk to screens. Where is Han and Chewie? She's into Chewie. We all thought that she loved Luke or Han. When you see her at the end clinging on to that Wookiee, I'm like, oh, that's why you're here. Happy life day indeed. There's that photo of Chewie grabbing her tit. Oh, I don't know about that photo, but I I know everything. When I see her phoning up, being like, oh, hi, Mala. Anyway, I don't want to talk to you. Where's your husband? That is always a joke for Marjorie and I. It's like, oh, Mala, is anyone else there I can talk to? No, that is some shade that she throws that it's like, oh, damn, she is your husband. You need to get on this. Jeez. 
<laughs> My God, I have to bleep a holiday special <laughs> podcast now. <laughs> it's there. It's in her face. I don't want to say this is more scandalous than Diane Carroll. Look at her at the end when she. First of all, why is she there at the end for the Life Day celebration? That's Wookies only, and then she's all over him. <laughs> Maybe because she was too stoned to stand up. Yeah, yeah, it's like we, yeah, when you ever, like, that drunk dial or whatever, like, she just goes, hello, Chewy. <laughs> Listen, I'm not making up that Carrie Fisher had some substance abuse problems around this time. That may be how they got her to sing. <laughs> Offer oh. a little candy at the end. But anyway, yeah, this scene, man, yeah, it opened my eyes. It's the most revealing moment. But again, another useless one. The story is not being propped up by these interludes by the old characters. They say James Earl Jones is in this, but basically they just took footage from Star Wars yes. and have him do new lines saying, we need to look through every Wookiee house. Right, I mean, they James Earl Jones did record those lines. Yeah, they say the voice of James Earl Jones. Yeah, David Prowse wasn't listed. Yeah, but it, obviously, I mean, these are all, and a lot of times, I get that they're not going to go and shoot new special effect shots of the ship flying, but Darth Vader's entire appearance is either animated or old footage. Yeah, well, we also get a little bit more Han and Chewie. They've actually made it to Kazook. I hate calling it Kazook. I'm just going to go with. But they've made it to Kazook, but they can't land because of Imperial Patrol, so they land elsewhere, and just in time for everyone to think Chewie's at the door, and no. Imperials. The most lame Imperials ever. Like, the least scary ones ever. It's just like that Silence of the Lamb thing where, you, where you're surprised when it's Jodie Foster on the doorstep. I was shocked. I was like, oh, that's some good editing there. But, uh, yeah, you know. I can't believe they turned the Chewie's household on Life Day, man. They trash that place. They break toys. But I guess they're distracted for a little bit. What, what is this, a galactic boombox that they play some Jefferson Starship on? Oh, boy. First of all, they spend way too long at that house. If they oh, have to search every so Wookiee long. house, yes, and they correct. have four Imperials here for like an hour. How long is a day on that Wookiee planet? It better be like 90 hours because, <laughs> yeah, they are taking way too long. I really think this is like the slacker Imperial Regiment. They're like on Kazook, which obviously they took over with Order 66, 25 years ago it's probably a cush job they don't have great discipline they're not very good at it oh shit we gotta search some houses all right let's just kind of hang out here there's some bantha loin cooking maybe we can steal some of that <laughs> banthas are what those like giant lizard things the big hairy b elephants oh yeah yeah the mastodons okay yeah, yeah. so you certainly don't want to eat its rump i don't but I don't want to watch Jefferson Starship either. I agree. Is this their audition tape for Xanadu? <laughs> oh, boy. I like Starship. I like Jefferson Airplane. This song actually wasn't in their repertoire. This had an... This is a Star Wars collectible, folks. If you buy their Greatest Hits LP that came out around this time, you got a bonus 45 of this song that said from the Star Wars Holiday Special. What is the name of the song? I just know they keep saying, you get take me higher than diamonds in the sky. You will light the sky on fire like the night before. Basically, he's talking about screw me. <laughs> light the sky on fire is the name of the song it didn't light me on fire and it was the whole song i mean this thing went on for four minutes you feel every second when you're watching this special you see why i fast forward through the musical numbers it's just intolerable 
Yeah, no, it's unless you really do like these songs, and I think all of them are in fear. You know you're in trouble when the best thing going on is that Moog synthesizer circus music. <laughs> That's true. That's actually kind of a catchy jingle. <laughs> the best song was that little yeah, twirling guy and that fake horn that he's playing was better than Diane Carroll and Jefferson Starship. Yeah, why were they not playing one of their hits, you know, play miracles play runaway you know something play freaking alice but <laughs> yeah i noticed grace slick wasn't even there god knows she was probably strung out in the back <laughs> but yeah they're singing into like purple lightsaber microphones it's very surreal 70s video like i imagine they figured this could be used as like a promotional video for them and instead it went straight into obscurity the song the video everybody but they're the biggest name i mean diane carroll b arthur the circus band they're big all these people are big i know they don't sound they're not musicians though as far as the people doing songs jefferson starship's a legitimate band yeah it's the biggest rock act it might excite the teenagers that haven't been served by either the silly Wookiee family or, yeah, Diane Carroll lighting up the screen. <laughs> this is one for the 18-year-old. But finally, we get to the thing that people claim is actually redeeming for this. The thing everybody <laughs> holds up. Now, I just don't see the logic of Lumpy watching rebellion propaganda while Imperials are searching his house. Yeah, Lumpy's a dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, and I don't even under, yeah, is that what this is? Is this propaganda? It's so weird that Luke exists in real life, but there's also this like cartoon about his adventures. Yeah, none of this makes any sense. I, they would have done better just to cut away. Again, why couldn't this just be a variety show where you could have had, you know, somebody come out and say, and now we're going to watch this? You know, like, why try and say that this is happening in the Star Wars universe? Well, is this cartoon also a real story? Did this really happen? It can't because the first time everybody really meets Boba Fett is in Empire, right? Well, I guess... He's got different outfit clothes on. They didn't recognize him. Luke could recognize him, I suppose. Well, he was passed out. What did he even see? Well, Boba Fett shot at him a couple of times from around a corner. So, yeah, I guess he could know him. I guess Leia could know him. I mean, they all freak out when they see Darth Vader. Maybe they're equally freaking out. Oh, my God, it's friend Boba. Lucas screwed it up. He really blew the continuity here. I will give this another compliment. I kind of dig this animation style. Yeah. It feels very heavy metal. Yeah, that's the one compliment I'm going to give this that's legitimate. You know, not the ironic, well, this is funny because it reminds me of all that other hogwash they had on TV. But but yeah, this cartoon is actually, you know, I could, don't think I'd want to watch a whole movie of its style. But it's got some funkiness to it. It reminds me, kids, if you want to know why we don't get into Disney and do Disney, is because this was the animation of our childhood. There weren't a lot of Disney <laughs> movies out. It was all this freaky, weird trippy hippie stuff. Yeah, Ralph Bakshi. Yeah, Ralph yeah. Bakshi and some animated Raggedy Ann and Andy thing. I mean, I, the stuff I got taken to when I was a small child was like this. So if, yeah, if you want to know why we, we don't do the Pixar retrospective, look at this stuff and, and you'll get it. But yeah, I, it, 
It's fun to look at. I disagree. This may not be a popular opinion among Star Wars fans, but I really actively dislike the animation here. I think that Han Solo in this looks like a political caricature of Nixon. I don't understand the squinty eyes. I don't understand the distended faces. I don't understand why C-3PO's head is on a freaking wire and bouncing all over the place. I don't understand why Luke Skywalker's eyes are even freakier here than when we saw Mark Hamill earlier. <laughs> yeah, it's because it's 70s animation. Yeah, it's just the style. And I mean, it's kind of fun. Eh. And then the story, I remember the first time I saw it, I would, again, I knew nothing. I'm like, oh my God, are they saying Boba Fett is an ally here? All this friend Boba, friend Boba. No, it's a I guess, lesson, like for little kids, how cartoons have to have a lesson at the end. Just because someone says they're your friend doesn't mean they are. It's all about lying. Is that what it's about? Because I wouldn't put it out there. The preface of this, what you're skipping to is Boba Fett. But the premise of this is that Chewbacca is is buzzing a rebel base in an asteroid field with the Millennium Falcon with Han Solo hung up upside down because he's been given a sleeping sickness from an amulet that will make you magically invisible. What the hell was all that? Read Splinter in the Mind's Eye. You get into some weird crystal shit there. Yeah, there is some oddness there, but that's just the MacGuffin. Lucas loves his MacGuffins. They're just chasing that so they can get to the actual story they want to tell. But I did like the setup. Yeah, Chewbacca's a traitor. Luke, go stop him. Why was Chewbacca driving so recklessly and firing lasers at them? Because they don't speak Wookiee and he was trying to keep them away from the amulet so they all didn't fall asleep. So they can't understand Wookiees. Only Han and C-3PO. Okay. Because sometimes I feel like they kind of half understand. They're into mime, just like you said. I understand what Mala and Itchy and Lumpy were saying, but I don't get it word for word. Okay. (laughs) All right. So that was his way of saying, leave me alone until I figure out how to destroy this amulet. Mm Mm-hmm. But I was very glad Boba Fett was being duplicitous and working for the Empire, because initially I was like, wait a sec, wait a sec, wait a sec, how are they going to pull that off? Yeah, but we didn't mention, I mean, Lumpy almost gets caught watching this. He's got to change the channel real quick and then come back to it. I, I guess they needed a commercial break in between. And we never get a conclusion to this. I'm like thinking at some point we're going to get the rest of the story here. But the, the the end of it is he talked to Darth Vader, came back, everyone woke up, and that's it. No, they discover his plan. He has to run off because they all turn against him. Do you think that's a conclusion? Running off? Yeah, he's running off to the Empire Strikes Back. It's, you know, you're not going to stop Boba Fett. You're not going to arrest him here. You're setting him up as a bad for the next time. So Mm. since the arc was all about learning who is and isn't your friend, which is a very weird morality tale, then once he flies off, they learn that He wasn't their friend. They get rid of that amulet by throwing it down the garbage chute so it can knock out Dianogas, I suppose. And they all fly off. Is that what Boba Fett's writing? Is that a Dianoga? No, the Dianoga is the trash compactor monster. Okay. Well, I I don't know. We never see it. I thought maybe that big dinosaur is what it looks like when it's out of the water. Of course, you know, Fett's evil right away because he's an animal abuser. And he chastises Luke for giving up his food for a dumb creature. But I know people hold this up. I know people really enjoy this. I appreciate it as being part of Star Wars history. But man, I don't like this cartoon. I I actually prefer Diane Carroll. (laughs) Okay. No, this is 
easy to get through. This doesn't feel like it goes on for 15 minutes, even though it's only four. It does to me. It really feels like it drags. And on the first watching, I was at least intrigued, not by its story, but by the fact that I thought they were changing Boba Fett's continuity. And now I find it to drag just as much as the rest of this. It's the first appearance of Boba Fett. So for that, it's notable. That doesn't make it good. No, and Boba Fett is overrated anyway. But I do think it's a better Boba Fett appearance than, I don't know, Attack of the Clones. <laughs> but then we get more Harvey Corman. Because... Uh, we get the worst of Harvey Corman. This <laughs> one's really painful. This one is. I mean, I actually, yeah, the Julia Childs one, I may laugh a little bit. Why is he doing all this beating? <laughs> I don't really understand. And so he asked. Uh, what, what is the bit? The kid is trying to figure out how to put together a, a transmitter from an instructional video in which the robot telling him how to do it is malfunctioning? Yes. And the joke is that if you can't trust them to have a robot tell you how to put it together, then it's probably not going to work. No, But no. the kid does get it to work, but not because <laughs> of anything that Harvey Corman instructs him to do. I can't figure it out. And it's not funny, and it's five minutes long. It really isn't funny. It's, it's literally one joke that goes too long. At least the holiday special itself is multiple jokes that go too long. <laughs> yeah, I was waiting to see where you were going there, because <laughs> everything goes too long here. Except for the next bit. I, I don't know if this could go long enough for me. <laughs> really? Once we get the uh, so he gets it working, and suddenly he's transmitting to Tatooine or something. Yeah, is this the Moss Eisley Cantina? All right, this. <laughs> All right, he gets it working, but coincidentally, once he gets it working, the Imperials declare martial law on Tatooine, and I guess it's like the emergency broadcast system. They announce it everywhere, including Kazook. And so everybody gathers around. Now, this is not Chulman's Cantina. That's the one from A New Hope. It was just owned by a Wookiee named Chulman. This is Akmina's Cantina, which happens to look a lot alike and share a lot of similar looking patrons. Yeah, it's all the same patrons, including Walrus Man and Greedo, who are alive again. But they're not Greedo. I, he, she says the name of that alien. Ludlow. Yeah, Ludlow. Oh, okay. But come on, she does some twirls with Walrus Man. He's got he's got his arm put back on. Yeah, I I didn't know that Beatrice Arthur was a singer or a dancer, and I still don't. But man, if you do want to get people out of your bar, this is who you hire <laughs> to get them out. All right, this is legitimately my favorite part of this entire <laughs> holiday special. Yeah, I, this is the thing everyone makes the jokes about. I actually did not mind this number. Like, I didn't mind her singing. I It was to the cantina song, do, 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 but a little bit slower. Like a sultry, like, torch version, torch yes. song version, yeah. It's like a gypsy number. Yeah, and I like the story because we get Krellman, that patron with the volcano head who thinks Akmina loves him, and he brings her a flower and then she has to shut down the bar she's a horrible horrible business proprietor because she gives away drinks every time she's talking she's like all right around's on the house Who, who's paying for all this to stay open but she says she's making a tab for the empire that was her third free round though she gave krellman a free drink she gave everybody a free drink when they announced they were closing and then the empire's never going to pay that tab so <laughs> she's just a bad businessman yeah they're, they're they're busy building a new death star they don't have that in their budget but what i also really like about this scene legitimately is this is the best look we will ever get besides a few behind the scenes photographs of the aliens 
from Star Wars and their costumes and everything. In the movie, it was filmed so cinematically that you couldn't tell they were such bad rubber masks and you couldn't see the clothes. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're saying this is the best look you get. I don't know if you want to get a good look at these yeah, things. Yeah, it exposes some problems, but <laughs> yeah, they're here. Is that the abominable snowman passed out at the table? <laughs> No, that was the alien. Yeah, Muftak. If you're a Star Wars fan and you wanted to see really what they were wearing, it doesn't matter that the masks look really rubbery here. You get really good looks at this. This is reference material for a lot of the licensees when they're making action figures and want to know what the back of Greedo's costume looked like or something. This is where they went. This is all those exact same costumes from A New Hope. Except for the rats. Um, <laughs> yeah, that was a surprise. That's not from Star Wars. That was borrowed from Food of the Gods. I've not even heard of that movie. Oh, yeah. I remember it. I even saw the sequel. <laughs> Is there a giant rat? More food for the gods? Yeah, they kept uh, they kept eating shit they shouldn't. I can't remember why. <laughs> I got a question for you, Arnie. Now, this might blow your mind, Stuart. I know they made prototype toys of Mala, Itchy, and Lumpy. I've seen the pictures. I've seen the prototypes. Okay. I've been in the collector's home, and my God, does she have an amazing collection. But she has Itchy, Lumpy, Mala, and Chewbacca. They were going to do a Wookiee family four-pack. Wow. Okay, so that's it. Beatrice Arthur wasn't going to get her own figure. Not initially. Oh, there there was hope. (laughs) When she got the spinoff show with Krellman. They were hoping that this would lead to a line of new toys. However, Akmina is a cult figure in Star Wars. There are a lot of places where they sneak her in. And there are some weird licensing rights about this. Lucasfilm owns everything in the holiday special. But it's really questionable if they could, at this point, release an Akmina figure. The estate of Beatrice Arthur is going to sue him? The estate. Well, yeah, likeness rights and things like that. But this great guy who makes awesome pop-up books, Matthew Reinhardt, did a couple Star Wars books. And sure enough, he did a pop-up cantina. And if you look, (laughs) there's Akmina behind the bar. She is snuck in in many places in Star Wars lore, because, I mean, yeah, this is a cantina scene. People love the cantina scene. And I think she has the best song in the movie. I mean, really? No, it is my favorite song. Yeah. And I'm, I'm not even being ironic. I mean, it's, I'm not saying I'm going to put this on my iPod or anything. <laughs> yeah, I'll give you that. I mean, but these are very low bars. I mean, yes, it, that's, yeah, yeah that's it, true. it sounds like a song that would be in a musical. As opposed to every other song here, which sounds like they wrote it in five minutes. And I I like the little dance she does with Greedo where she's doing like the jazz fingers. Whoa, you don't mean that. The dancing is not good. (laughs) It's hysterical. (laughs) I'm not saying it's good. I'm saying I'm laughing in a, I don't know if I'm laughing with it or laughing at it, but I'm having a legitimately good time versus laughing at my own pain. Has she ever talked about doing this special? Has she ever done any interviews or press? It seems to me like she'd have good stories. She did. She said she had a great time on set and had no idea while she was there that it was part of Star Wars. (laughs) (laughs) So she never saw Star Wars? Yeah, I mean, she was hired to come on and sing a song with some aliens and she's like, okay. 
That's and I love that because that's what I deeply believed is that all of these people they brought in had heard about Star Wars, knew it was the thing the kids liked, and were was doing this because they thought it would, you know, raise their profile, not because they were fans. Yeah, she said that in the years since this, she've gotten a ton of letters and requests for autographs, and all she remembers is singing to a bunch of rubber masks. <laughs> yeah, it's like doing the Muppet Show or something. I mean, it just yeah. And again, like you said, this was 70s television, you know? Yeah. This is the group of fake things I'm singing to this week. Right, exactly. Am I getting paid? Is it helping advertise Maud? All right. Good night, but not goodbye. <laughs> is that a tear, friend? Of laughter? <laughs> All I know is every line in that song ends with friend. Yes, it does. What rhymes with friend? Friend. <laughs> friend. <laughs> Well, and, and they sometimes do the double rhyme. It's not the end, friend. <laughs> Very clever. But then the transmission breaks are... Then I get a little confused, I'll be honest. And I feel like maybe different hands were on this ended. Were you trying to make sense of it? The transmission gets interrupted. I think that Lumpy was not as enthralled with Hackmina's performance as we were <laughs> as he snuck upstairs and then radioed for everybody to go home using that transmitter. That's why he was building the transmitter right. so he could impersonate the commander's voice. Okay, so that was his voice saying those things. It was, well, I doubt if he was growling and it was translating. I'm okay, because like, all right, you're going where I was going. I'm like, could he just walk around then and talk into that thing and we can finally understand? I, I'm guessing it's like Stephen Hawking. Okay, yeah. I, I just wish that, yeah, why don't you give all of them that so we wouldn't have to have all of this growling? They should have a little wrist computer that they type into that speaks for them. But then you'd lose the flavor of Kazook. <laughs> yeah, I really like the, the the brave ambiguity of of the seventies vibe of, of Wookies who you can't understand. No, it's ridiculous. Yeah, this could never have made it as a show if they don't speak English. If you did not have that fix that problem, this could never have aired. No way. There's just no way they'd have a show that was just groaning. That's uh. Uh-uh. And even in the Ewok movies, by the second movie, the Ewoks were talking yes. English. <laughs> but then Han and Chewbacca come home and bravely save the little boy. Han does all the real work here. I mean, Chewbacca is just a distraction. And then Han does like judo chop. Uh-uh. Art Carney does all the work. He's the one that blows in at the end and blames it all on the stormtrooper <laughs> that ran away with the food and mugged him. <laughs> Damn it. No pantaloin tonight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I guess this this was the gift to Harrison Ford is that, well, you at least get to save the day, even if you have to read these lines. Well, all right. When Cowboys and Aliens came out, Harrison Ford went on Conan, and I watched this. I remember it well. And Conan asked him if he'd ever seen the holiday special. And this was before Harrison Ford had his stickectomy. And he said he never saw it. And so Conan played this clip right here of Harrison Ford trying to act all sincere and earnest, like giving the caring scowl to the Wookiee family and saying he loves them. And Harrison Ford just looked kind of grumpy and embarrassed by the whole thing in 2006. Well, as anyone would, any pick a year and you'd be embarrassed by this one. <laughs> I actually think he's worse when he comes back later at the ceremony. <laughs> yeah, well, I'm not saying he's bad. I'm saying this is truly a career low, though. Hmm. I mean, 
this is so much worse than Firewall. <laughs> I don't know. I've seen Firewall. So have I. I'm telling you. <laughs> Let's get to the the real, the, the the best musical number. Well, this was the shock. Was I was like, okay, this is over. If Han's leaving and we've seen all the characters and they're going to have their Life Day celebration, I thought this was over. I wasn't looking at the counter. I had no idea. It's like the special edition of Close Encounters. We're going to get to go into the ship. All right. This is where my only explanation can be. If you dropped acid at the start of the special, this is where it's kicking in. Because seeing Wookiees and Snuggies walk into space, <laughs> I had to rewind it. I'm like, did they just walk into space? I've seen this like 20 times, but I've never paid that close attention. They are walking into, they're floating in front of the stars. What the hell is this? Hey, don't mock people's religion, man. This is life day. <laughs> you know what? I'd join Scientology if they show me them walking on a space bridge <laughs> into the sun. With a lighted globe, no less. Uh, do you have these uh, action figures? I'm, I'm wondering. Would you buy the robes? There are people who take <laughs> Chewbacca figures and other Wookiee figures and customize little oh. Snuggies to put them in. And every year they take out these customized figures to celebrate life day. Mm. Do they sing the song, though? Oh, what blows my mind is that, just like that Cantina song, they yes. take a John Williams piece and just put words to it. Like, this is what I would have done at five years old. Like, Luke Skywalker, he's the coolest. Like, that is what they're doing. <laughs> there was a Saturday Night Live bit, right? Star Wars, nothing but Star Wars. Yeah, like, Bill Murray. Right, exactly. I'm like, this was done for humor's effect. Well, actually, this is done for humor's <laughs> effect. Now, Mark Hamill was also supposed to sing a song. <laughs> Mark Hamill vetoed that. He's like, I'm going to show up and look like Sandy Duncan, but I am not going to sing for you. But come on, she busted there. First of all, no one thought she would be there. And all of a sudden, she's like, hey, and breaking <laughs> in that song. I'm like, this is like when, yeah, your mistress got drunk and knocked on your door and like, <laughs> I wanted to, I wanted to cut away to Mala's face. That's all I know. Is I wanted to see Mala when she's grabbing onto him and wailing off key the Star Wars theme with her made up lyrics about Day of Harmony. Yeah, this is this is really embarrassing. I bet Chewie wasn't allowed to hang with Leia for many many days after this. Yeah, Mala is nowhere to be seen. For some reason, Luke, Han, Leia, the droids, and Chewbacca are on stage. And all the other Wookiees, we spent two hours with commercials with Lumpy, Itchy, and Mala gone so that Carrie Fisher can sing. And no one cares about them. We want the real stars of Star Wars. I have legitimately been at parties where people get so drunk that they start singing and nothing is as bad as this. Nothing I've ever heard is as bad as this. This is so bad. The singing is so bad. I was, mm -hmm. look, because... This is how crazy this movie is. Like, I'm looking at my notes to get ready for this show. I watched this a few days ago. I'm like, were these lines actually said in this movie? Like, so I go to IMDb quotes to make sure I actually wrote down stuff from this film. Because what I was reading was so crazy. And they have quotes from Carrie Fisher. You know, Princess Leia sung wildly out of tune in parentheses. And then the lyrics of the song, like, that's how bad this is. Like, it's part of the quotation. Yeah, it's it's an amazing number. I mean, again, I think this is the end, right? No. And then it, like, it just keeps going. Then they got all the like, process 
out of there. They got to go back home. They're all stoned. They're all sitting around, <laughs> like, just completely like, grinning and holding each other's hands. Chewie was having flashbacks. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, all that clip stuff. I guess, no, that probably is the note to end on. Remember, you do like this, right? Remember, there were things you did enjoy about these characters. But, man, yeah, this ending is just, whew. All right, so Jacob Stewart's. Was the Star Wars holiday special your pleasure, Jacob? No, I didn't jerk off during it. Is that what you're asking? <laughs> <laughs> I did not orgasm during the Star Wars holiday special. It might have been better if you had. I will neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I will give this a brown arrow with some caveats. You got to have a group of people. It's the only way this is going to be fun to watch. Watching this by myself, like... When when my family left me, they betrayed me. They left me because they were so bored. We were having fun when we were making up lines for Chewie's family with all their grunts. Like, it's, it's yeah, bachelor party before you go out to the strip club and get drunk. Yeah, that's the way to watch this. Forward through most of those musical numbers except B. Arthur's. It's a brown arrow, but you got to do it in the right mood. It, then it's worth sitting through this. But don't, if you're a Star Wars fan, you just, I need to consume everything Star Wars. No, skip this. There's very little enjoyable about this. Stuart. Yeah, you know, this is a Vegas review. To me, it was fun to go back and see this kind of thing. This is what entertainment used to be. This is, I mean, how the Oscars used to be. When you would watch, like, any award show, this is kind of how it was constructed, but done with, yeah, some really cheesy, cheesy bits, extra cheese, and then with participants that didn't know how to do it or didn't want to be there, which is kind of the fun of it. I mean, you know, yes, this is a very important movie in my life. I love it very much. <laughs> I'm going to give it a strong recommend uh, in the Brown Arrow scale. I, I definitely think if you like to laugh, I think I counted 16 times. I laughed 16 times out loud during this, and I think mathematically speaking, that's got to be a high recommend. And yeah, to tell listeners who are new to the series, a Brown Arrow means... This is shit, hence the brown. But if it's an enjoyable shit, if it is so bad, you gotta watch it for a car wreck. That's the brown arrow. So yeah, this is not good. This is the worst Star Wars thing ever made. But because of that, you need to see it. If it's just merely bad, like the Ewok stuff, skip it. But this goes beyond into the absurd I watched it so many times, I forced other people to watch it. I'm with Jacob. I'll, I'll never watch this alone again. But with the right group of people and enough liquor, it's a good time. Yeah, three for three. It's nice to end on a high note. <laughs> As did most of the cast. <laughs> but with that, we bring our Star Wars retrospective series to a close for a year till like next year yeah till what like red one or whatever that is out in like rogue one yeah the story of the death star plan yeah 360 <laughs> days it's hard to believe that we're gonna be yeah doing star wars once a year probably eventually twice a year <laughs> yeah how many marvel films do we do a year now like three or four When's the series coming out? I'm not convinced we aren't going to see a Cantina sitcom or Wookiee family <laughs> life. I mean, I think it could all be coming. Just like Itchy. Jeez. God. <laughs> it's always the kids' shows that are so blue. Yeah. <laughs> it's because they 
always insert the wrong thing. Yeah, it's arguable whether this is a kid's show, but I know what you mean. <laughs> now, you guys asked about the action figures, and I mentioned the pop-up book, but believe it or not, there are holiday special collectibles. They have, in modern times, made statues, some expensive statues, action figures, and more from the holiday special. And it's not all just Boba Fett, although it's mostly Boba Fett. Yeah, I got some holiday special Boba Fetts. They better have Diane Carroll frozen in time. They don't. Jacob, were you standing in line with me at Celebration 4 in that massive, like, mob crush to get the holiday special Boba Fett statue from Gentle Giants? No, I did not stand in that line with you, no. Ah, I received many bruises getting that. That was like the sought-after statue. It sold for $80. No, I remember that, yeah. And if you didn't get it the first day, then it was selling for $350 to $400. But Kenner, over the years, has made several figures. In the vintage line, the original Snaggletooth figure is based on Zutmore from here. And then in the modern line... Kenner remade the Zutton figure, which is holiday special based. They also did a three pack of figures that has figures from the holiday special. Who's Snaggletooth? Snaggletooth? Snaggletooth was the name of the Kenner figure, but it's it's Zutmore from here. He was the gray faced alien in the cantina. Yeah, it kind of looks like a warthog, kind of, without the tusk. Oh, yeah. There have been trading cards in parts of sets that have holiday special art on them. Again, primarily the animated series, but sometimes Wookiee families. There's that record, and people who want to go real deep, I know collectors who have the original press kits that were put out for the holiday special. So, yeah, this is, despite being the black sheep of the Star Wars family, it gets love in a, hey, we remember it way, and I do wonder, now that Disney owns it, if this might not be a bonus feature someday. Well, as we close out 2015, I want to thank our listeners who have made this an amazing year, from the Kickstarter to all the support through all the podcasts we've done. Thank you. And I also want to give a special shout out to Chris Klink. He has been our graphic designer for now playing for so long. I I did the first really crappy graphics like Friday the 13th, but by the time we were getting into really cool stuff like Nightmare on Elm Street, Chris has done so many of the logos that people just love seeing. I know some people who download and keep our podcast really download and keep his logos. He's had several kids in the time he's been helping us out and changed careers and moved and his time with us is coming to an end but Chris I just wanted to thank you for everything you've done Chris has just done so much great stuff for the show I wanted to give him that call out but while this is our last show for 2015 we have a huge 2016 coming we talked about that on our last show and on Creed but our first show of the new year coming out on New Year's our New Year's baby the Tarantino Gold Review of Inglorious Bastards Brad Pitt Christoph Waltz. Mike Myers makes a brave return after the love guru. And Hitler. <laughs> don't forget, they kill Hitler. It's the real Hitler? <laughs> it might be, I don't know. Yes, that is all coming out on Friday. And we are leading up. Hateful Eight opened last Friday. We are getting real close. And we are looking forward to reviewing that. And we hope you can help us out here. We're entering the home stretch 
of our donation drive. If you got some extra Christmas money and you want to support independent podcasting, you want to keep this show going so we could have an even bigger 2016 than we had 2015, we'd really appreciate your support. We're coming to the end. So all of the silver level donation podcasts are out there, which is the four Hunger Games plus Battle Royale 1 and 2, and you get those six shows for a donation of $10 or more. For $25 or more, you get the Tarantino Gold series, which is all the silver level podcasts plus nine movie reviews of the Tarantino-directed films, starting with Reservoir Dogs, going through Pulp Fiction, Kill Bill, Death Proof, and ending with Hateful Eight. And then if you go platinum $35 or more, you get even more Tarantino bonus reviews. Five extra movies from Dusk Till Dawn, True Romance, Natural Born Killers, Four Rooms, and the full Grindhouse experience, including Death Proof and all the trailers. And that's with a donation of $35 or more. All your money goes to keep this show running. So we would greatly appreciate any help you can offer. And if you've enjoyed these Star Wars retrospectives, there's, you know, you might enjoy something there. So we appreciate any support you can get. And next week on Tuesday, you get Machete. Yes, a Grindhouse spinoff film. You have a couple more weeks to get the Tarantino, so we thought we'd throw these out there. They're not part of gold or platinum, but we just kind of wanted to do them. If you were part of the gold or platinum donation last week, you got Grindhouse. There were three movies spun off from Grindhouse, and we're going to cover them here on the main feed for the first three weeks in January. So with that, it's been a great 2015. Jacob Stewart, thank you for being part of it with me. And until next time, good night. But not goodbye. A day that takes us through the darkness. A day that leads us into light. A day that makes us want to celebrate. This holiday is yours. We all share with you the hope that this day brings us closer to freedom and to harmony and to peace. No matter how different we appear, we're all the same in our struggle against the powers of evil and darkness. I hope that this day will always be a day of joy in which we can reconfirm our dedication and our courage, and more than anything else, our love for one another. This is the promise of the Tree of Life. Thank you for listening to this episode of the now-playing Star Wars Retrospective Series. We hope you've enjoyed the show. It is indeed true that at times like this, Arto and I wish that we were more than just mechanical beings. And we're really alive, so that we could share your feelings with you. If you like Star Wars, join Arnie and Marjorie at SWActionNews.com for Star Wars Action News, a podcast dedicated to Star Wars toys, books, games, and more. The Star Wars Collection. Truly remarkable toys and games for your children. And come back to NowPlayingPodcast.com each week for another new movie review. You can take it with you anywhere. In the archives at NowPlayingPodcast.com, you can find hundreds of in-depth movie reviews, including every film in the Star Trek, Terminator, 2001, Back to the Future, Batman, and James Bond film series. As you can see, I've got just about everything a man or Wookiee would want. Find hundreds of movie review podcasts 
at nowplayingpodcast.com. Ah, having fun, having fun, all right? And while at nowplayingpodcast.com, be sure to join our forums where you can share your opinions of these films with the hosts and other listeners. I'm getting your message. Are you getting mine? You can also follow Now Playing on Facebook, Twitter, and Google+, where we post announcements of new episodes and where the hosts post movie mini-reviews. Links to our social media pages are at nowplayingpodcast.com. Follow me, friend. Now, would you like to pay me something for it or give me something in trade? Now Playing is an independent podcast with no sponsors or ads. We rely on support from listeners like you to help keep the show going. Oh, yes. I can feel my creation. (laughs) You can find a link to donate using PayPal at the bottom of our website, nowplayingpodcast.com. This is all we have, but uh, he's welcome to it. You can also help out Now Playing by leaving us a five-star review on iTunes. A link to Now Playing's iTunes listing can be found at nowplayingpodcast.com. Look, I know I can count on you to take care of my friends until their leader returns. You'll do that for me, won't you? You can show your love of Now Playing Podcast by shopping in our store, where you can buy Now Playing t-shirts, coffee mugs, mouse pads, and much more. A link to our Cafe Press store is available on our homepage. I suppose you want to see my identification. No, I'm off duty. I've come to look around your shop. Now playing is edited by Arnie. Stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir. Stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir. Stir, whip, stir, whip, 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 stir. Now playing credit narration by Brock. My voice is for you alone. Now Playing is not affiliated with Lucasfilm, 20th Century Fox, or Disney. Star Wars and all that the Star Wars universe contains is the intellectual property and trademark of Lucasfilm Limited, and no infringement is intended. Yes, I think I understand her message. That Imperial Patrol must be giving them more trouble than we bargained for. The opinions expressed on Now Playing are those of the individual hosts and may not reflect the opinion of Venganza Media Incorporated. Now that you've got their trust, they may take you to their new base. This time we'll get them all. Now playing is a Vinganza Media production, copyright 2015, all rights reserved, and no part of this show may be reproduced, repurposed, or redistributed without the written permission of Vinganza Media Incorporated. I know you'd like it. Your work here is finished. They leave now. I guess you're right. About all I can do for now. I hope you guys find what you're looking for. Keep up the good work. Wonder Woman, starring Linda Carter, and Incredible Hulk, starring Bill Bixby, will return at their regular times next Friday evening on most of these stations. I think the same way there's two girl, one cup reaction videos, there could be the Force Awakens reaction videos on YouTube. There could be <laughs> the Force Awakens. <laughs>
the Super Mario Brothers Super Show. Do you remember oh this? Oh my god, I used to <laughs> yes! watch a couple of With Captain of Lou. Yeah, Captain Lou was Mario on this really shoddy <laughs> late 80s syndicated kids show. It was it was garbage. Oh, come on, on Fridays they had Zelda instead of Mario. It was yes. great. Uh, yes. it was painful as a teenager, but as a Mario <laughs> fan, I sat through a couple episodes. It was better than the movie. No, no. Mm-hmm. Can't go with you on that. It was as bad as it gets, really. <laughs> but it's a close call. I'll give you that. <laughs> and Sedan is what? He's trying to cover up for the the Chewy family. Like they, You can't say Chewbacca. It's Sondan, not Saddam. <laughs> Sundan. Sondan. Sondan. Yeah. Sondan. 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 There. Because <laughs> it sounded like you said Saddam, and I was like, what? Yeah, that's what I thought you were saying. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be surprised how many times I have mouse in my notes. He has a name? That's what you're looking for? No. Um, damn. It, I think it's something that you'll know, so let me see if I can find that. Pizza Rat? <laughs> no, not that's Pizza. That's from a movie? Yeah. Willard? Ben? Willard? Yeah. No. <laughs> No, hold on, the, whatever the a... Peter Weller one was, something of, something with of, or, or some unknown origin or something. I can't remember what that one was. Of human bondage? What was that called? Of human bondage? No. No, it wasn't that one. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> it's either Ernest Hemingway or a rat trying to eat Peter Weller. Um, <laughs> I can't remember what it's called. I know there's a goddamn movie with Peter Weller and rats called Of Something, but I'm not going to look it up because I really don't care. A, a, a giant rat like that. Were there that many? <laughs> Food of the gods? Yes, that's it. Okay, I'm racing like, name some 70s movies with giant rats. Food of the gods is it. All right. All right. Not, so I guess I'm I'll gonna, say that. <laughs> it was selling for 350 to 400 statues. You mean dollars? <laughs> 350 to 400 dollars. Mm-hmm. 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 Mm-